Tonight on a mini but mighty episode of Horror Talk, I talked to Dan Burke and Robert Olson, the writer-director team behind the new horror movie Significant Other, and I'll tell you about my travels in Africa, being charged by a silverback gorilla, and some spooky Halloween updates. But first, turn out the lights, find a safe hiding space, and fall in to Horror Talk from Haunting Season. Good evening, world, and happy spooky season. I've got the house decorated, Cookie and I are watching spooky films, and I even finally have an old boob tube and VCR working in my office that I can watch films now on while I work. So far, we've done a lot of the new releases, Barbarian, Smile, Pearl, as well as Hocus Pocus 1 and 2. The Conjuring films 1 and 2 were on there as well, and a ton of films that I watched in Africa, like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Ganjam Haunted Asylum, Incantation, uh, a whole lot more. I'll keep TikTok going strong, so you don't have to worry about that. So I mentioned that I was on a work trip in Africa filming interviews of people living with bleeding disorders. I I did a week in Kenya bumming around Nairobi and followed that with a week based in Kampala, Uganda. The first leg of the trip I posted every single day, which in reality meant documenting everything all day long, getting back after a full day of work, dumping and organizing all of the footage, and then writing a voiceover, recording it, and editing the video together and then posting it. It was roughly about three extra hours added to my day, but I loved doing it. Once we got to Kampala, though, well, everywhere we went was a minimum of three or four hours in the car, with the longest days being seven hours each way. So I fell off the content creation pretty quickly, which is fine. You know how TikTok is. If you post outside of your niche, mine being discussing horror movies, then you don't get seen, really. Hey, shut up about Africa. This is all about horror content here. Well, anyway, a lot of people wrote in to say that they loved it, and it wasn't just my mom. It was devout haunting season fans, which was really encouraging despite the low numbers. Gosh, that's so superficial, the numbers game. But it gets so exciting when your post gets like a few million views. I had one video recently get close to 7 million, which was a wild trip. My buddy Mike has a paranormal investigation channel on YouTube called Charm City Paranormal, and I cannot get enough of it. He makes these like full-on documentaries and posts them on the regular. I've had him on the show before to talk. It's just an insane amount of work. So I I made a video about one of his most recent releases, and it just exploded. I mean, within the hour, we were at 100,000 views, and in 24 hours, a million. And it just kept going and going. I gained 140,000 followers in about a week because of that video. And the more exciting thing was his channel went from getting a few hundred views per video to tens of thousands. He went from having a thousand or so subscribers to almost 60K. And it's well-deserved. I mean, he's been putting in 150 hours per video of shooting and editing, and he deserves to have an audience that's excited about that level of work and dedication he puts into it. I made that video shouting out his channel with the hopes of getting a few people to notice, and I cannot believe we both struck gold with that. What a rare and exciting experience. Speaking of rare and exciting experiences, on my last few days in Africa, my team and I took a 12-hour car ride south to the border of Uganda and Rwanda with the mighty volcanoes of the Congo towering over the horizon to see some gorillas in the wild. 
I had to buy all kinds of stuff, like $300 hiking boots I'd barely ever use again, gaiters, special clothes, thick gloves, a big old hat, because this experience had us hiking through the rainforest. And I don't mean that figuratively. We started out with a steep 700-foot climb on a path and then continued to hike up for about 90 minutes while trackers located the family of gorillas we were about to visit in the front of our hiking caravan. In the front of our hiking caravan, as well as in the back, there were men with machine guns. The gorillas we were about to see were habituated. The guides who helped protect this part of the rainforest had spent two years getting the gorillas used to the sight of human beings, and then for 10 years have been leading people out to visit them. But within this area, there were also unhabituated gorillas, and they could be extremely violent towards humans. Mountain gorillas have no natural predators because they're huge, they have fangs, they can climb. So humans with guns are their greatest threat. When people stumble across them and fear for their lives, that's when gorillas get shot. After quite a bit of hiking on the narrow path, our guide announced that the family had been located, and they took us on a sharp left turn down a steep face of the mountain into the jungle. Machetes swinging, they chopped a path for us through such thick undergrowth that at most times we weren't even touching the ground with our feet. We had to hold tight to spiky vines and trees and whatever we could find while navigating down and around and through the treacherous landscape. It was slow and difficult work, but eventually we came out into a clearing, just 15 feet from the sleeping gorillas. We spent an hour there, watching the baby play and the three female gorillas yawn and swat him away from them. They were huge, thick, muscular creatures with large, sharp canines the size of my finger. At one point towards the end, the baby started playing with a young cousin over in another group, and that's when the silverback woke up. He was significantly larger than the females, probably about 400 pounds or so, and he growled in an agitated way. <sighs> Our guide growled back, which I took to mean that she felt comfortable and that this was normal behavior. The male knuckled his way around the back of the tree, and you could feel his fists hit the ground. Boom, boom, boom. It was like the trees were swaying under the weight of his body, just pounding the ground. Boom, boom, boom. And then suddenly he was rushing towards us full speed. Brad, one of our camera operators who weighs like 90 pounds soaking wet, he's a little guy, started to shuffle back and the guide yelled out, do not run, do not run. And so we all froze and watched as he grabbed the baby away from the cousin. This wasn't the end of the excitement. Now everyone was awake. All the gorillas were up and aware and pausing as the tension dissipated between the groups. And then as the guide was telling us it was time to go, a female rushed right towards where I was sitting. Another flash and she was just suddenly five feet away and she plopped down on her belly and rested her chin on her hands and just looked into our eyes, studying us, close enough to touch, close enough to breathe the same air, almost enough to hear each other's thoughts. She was beautiful and expressive and curious, and in that moment, I was both absolutely terrified and, and moved by how similar we are to each other. I've never experienced anything like this before, and I probably never will again. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience.
Shortly after I got back to the hotel, one of my connections at Paramount reached out to see if I'd be interested in viewing a screener for the new movie Significant Other. It looked to all take place in the woods, which made me feel like it might be extra scary considering my recent experience, so I signed up to watch. Uh, Here's my synopsis from TikTok. Significant Other follows a woman and her boyfriend as they trot off to the woods for a romantic camping trip. What they don't know is some sort of fuchsia asteroid-looking thing just plopped down in the woods nearby. And I say plopped, because look, it's plopped from the office. And his significant other here suffers from panic attacks. Well, after a tragedy in the woods, Ruth is left to fend for herself as she comes to realize things are quite off. There's a lot of mystery, mood shifts, and character development I can't get into because it would give too much away. The main two things I loved about this film were how it addressed mental health and the panic attacks in a refreshingly healthy way for a horror movie, and how well this movie balances horror and comedy. This film is fun, it's campy, it has influences from the 80s movies all over it, and look, we need more fun horror in our lives. Films that we can just kick back and not worry too much if the CGI is perfect or if every plot hole is filled. Life's too serious these days. I loved watching this movie. It was a really fun and original film, and there's also something a little magic about getting to see a film before everybody else. And then they asked me if I wanted to be a part of the press junket and gave me an opportunity to interview the writer-director team Dan Berg and Robert Olson. I just got eight minutes with them, but the interview went so well I wanted to share it here today. So here it is. So early on in your film, Significant Other, we discover that our main female lead suffers from panic attacks and anxiety. Can you talk about the reasoning behind addressing mental health issues in your script and why you made the decision to include that? From the earliest points of conceiving the film, like it kind of grew and grew and kind of developed layers as we figured out who these characters were going to be. Um, and we sort of found that once we gave, you know, we, we, we wanted to, I guess we, we always start from place a character. So like designing Ruth, as somebody who would perhaps have a little bit of trouble with the endeavor that her boyfriend was taking her on uh, was kind of important to us. And we felt like, well, you don't actually see people with just like generalized anxiety on screen all that often. You know, that was sort of exciting to us to, to have a character where that was kind of just a part of her her personality. And it obviously gave life to a lot of narrative threads. Um, and then ultimately we kind of came to this interesting discovery where, you know, Perhaps this anxiety was rooted in, in traumatic experiences from her past, and she could then kind of utilize that and in, in overcoming her own foibles by film's end, you know, is also overcoming the antagonistic force in some ways. So it all kind of clicked together once we once we um, you know assigned that that quality to Yeah, it. and and I think we and we like the way that it resolved where that, you know, it's not about her all of a sudden not being anxious anymore, where it's not right. necessarily saying like, hey, you know, like anxiety is a problem like what are you going to do to fix your anxiety anybody who suffers from that can tell you like a lot of times it's not tied to anything or it just just happens you know like it was a i know i know i almost got panic attack on set one of the days like when we when the uh when the union strike almost happened uh but like you know i think that being able to you know without being too spoilery here like you know being able to to use that as a, a strength almost uh, as a weapon later on is something that was important to us and it kind of just grew out of the theme too right because we wanted to be showing her as this person who had 
you know, a viewpoint about monogamy that is not accepted, you know, in in society at all. And so there's this is a, a stressful kind of situation that she's in. And I think when you are somebody who has, uh, you know, a differing viewpoint from what the rest of society tells you you should have, that can be a source of, of discomfort and can be triggering, you know. And so I think that shaking hands with, you know, ultimately, you know, what the antagonist was, you know, I think some of it, like, some of it, it's, it's, it's half theme and half plot because, you know, you kind of needed a tool like that for the ultimate and this is so hard to do without spoiling everything but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that you need it you know that's something the antagonists like could not have expected when they embody this person yeah and you know it's, it's definitely something you probably can't say about many films in in, in, in these genres be they you know sci-fi or horror or thriller but it ends up being a very pro-therapy movie uh because you know that kind of is roots arc you know it's going from someone who suffers from generalized anxiety and is kind of um, you know, a little scared to do the work and like look inward and at least try to begin the journey of of, of disassembling and reap and put, figuring out where this anxiety comes from, how perhaps she can, uh, you know, ease that burden on herself. She just doesn't want to do it. It's easier for her to just put her head in the sand and look the other way. And we don't get to a place where anxiety is gone, but we get to a place where she begins to accept the idea she voices, mm-hmm. you know, the, the potential source of that anxiety. So we sort of say that like, the journey for Ruth is 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 not getting across the finish line. It's like getting to the starting line, yeah. you know, of, yeah. of, of, of exploring, doing that introspective work that she needs to do. I love that. And I really appreciate that as someone who has had panic attacks and someone who does struggle with social anxiety. Um, I, I, it really resonated with me in both in her performance and the way it was written. Um, and it was really refreshing because I feel like a lot of times in horror we see um, – sort of like a toxic look at mental health issues where it's like, don't believe the woman because she didn't take her medicine, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's like, there's, there's so much that, and I think it's something that lots of people, you know, I think we wrote the movie kind of during the lockdown, you know? And I think Uh that there were a lot of, there were a lot of people, myself included, who, you know, might've had certain, uh, social anxiety or, or panicky things that were exacerbated by that because all of a sudden you're living in your house and so if you have social anxiety issues and all of a sudden you have to be in your own space for a goal you know at first it might seem appealing but then after a while you almost lose the skill of being able to talk with other people at all and I know that like as soon as we got out of that lockdown phase I still remember the first couple of like gatherings of people that I went to and just that feeling of being like, what do I do with my hands? You know, like I forget <laughs> what do I say to you, you know, like that kind of feeling. So I think that's just, that is coursing through the movie a little bit. There's a lot of balance that's happening there. And I felt like there was a lot of balance also with comedy in your script and, and levity, I guess I would say, because this doesn't strike me as like a comedy horror, but there is a good amount of like comic relief in it. Um, and so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, I always feel like horror and comedy are like an old married couple. Sometimes they bicker and sometimes they get along. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how yeah. did you balance that? And then also, I know this is like the most long-winded question ever, but it, it also <laughs> ties into it. I felt like there was a campiness to this, an intentional campiness that felt like a, like an 80s kind of film. So we're always trying to play with with genre in our movies. I think something like Villains, our last movie, you know, the blend of genres in there, there's like a little bit of horror thriller stuff, but then there's also like cartoonishly slapsticky comedic stuff, but it's all mixed into a gumbo and you kind of know what it is. 
from the word go. Like five minutes into the movie, you understand what the tone of that is. This was a little bit different where we wanted to do a genre mix, but where those genres weren't laying on top of one another, it was more you're in one and then boom, there's a kind of twist point in the movie and now you're in another and kind of let that genre shift highlight the twists within the movie. And so like, I think that there's something about the, uh, there's something about the way that the antagonist works in this movie and, and what it's doing that you almost have to, poke a little fun at it or, or, or laugh about it, you know, where it's like uh, you, you know, you kind of go into that. And most of the time you have an antagonist that has a very simple goal of just like kill the protagonist or whatever, whatever it is. And this one was a little bit different where your antagonist is kind of, you know, experiencing human emotion. And so you're almost like you're inherently going to get into something comedic because you're going to have a, a little bit of like, you know, uh, of, of seeing some human foible in this creature that is it's now experiencing for the first time. And that's that's gonna be inherently funny. But then we also think that it like, can make it a little bit more scary at times too, where like, this is not the, the I'm gonna, you know, at, at least not the whole time, not that I'm gonna kill you antagonist. It's a little bit more, I'm gonna hug you to death. You know, it's a little bit more <laughs> that, that vibe, which I think is always gonna be a little bit funny you know we think of a like a movie like uh we always consider this to be almost adjacent to like misery or something in the second half. and like if you watch that movie like kathy bates is like fucking funny you know yeah. there's a, there are a lot of funny situations in, in 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 those kind of captivity plays where there's one character who loves the other one a little too much you know and so we just didn't want to run away from that I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate your time. Um, thanks for doing this, and thanks to Paramount Plus for allowing me to to hop in the room with you guys. I could talk to you forever, but you know, I know you guys got a lot of a lot of people to talk to. Okay, I love your background too. I love the owls. I'm a big Twin Peaks fan. I'm a big Wingspan fan. This is great. This is great. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great uh, have a great press junket. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Bye. Significant Other is out now on Paramount Plus, and it's a great little indie film with a creative story and great scares, and it's absolutely worth a watch. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Dan and Robert. If you like these conversations and you want to hear more, the most helpful thing you can do is subscribe to Haunting Season right here where you're listening. If you have time to write a review, that helps rank the show a little bit higher as well. It's a huge help. And if you want to watch my horror movie reviews and other generally spooky short form horror content, you can follow Haunting Season on TikTok. Every follow gets me closer to being able to make bigger and bigger content for you. It's all for you. And one last thing, if you're interested in hearing my scary stories with 360 degree soundscapes, it's my favorite thing that I do. You can find them on season one of the podcast or on YouTube under the name you'll never guess it in a million years it's haunting season it's all haunting season links 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 of course in the show notes haunting season was created by me Joshua Sterling Bragg it is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. the show is edited by Todd Jackson with support from Kay Vermeil and is produced by Keith Cornelock all of the music in this show was created for haunting season by the northern synth lord North Innsbruck their music is linked in the show notes as well thanks for listening and come back next time because we're more likely to survive if we stick together. 